Welcome to Lion Talks. I'm Bethany Farrell from Career Development at Texas A&M Commerce. Lion Talks is a podcast presented by alumni and friends of A&M Commerce discussing their journeys openly and honestly to teach students and other alumni that designing a life you love is part of a journey and the first step is to take the first step. Veronica Chevalier grew up outside of Chicago in Northwest Indiana and graduated high school in 2013. She attended Loyola University Chicago and graduated with a Bachelor of Business Administration in both marketing and sport management. Veronica moved to Texas in July after her senior year of college, having accepted a graduate assistant position with Campus Recreation at Texas A&M Commerce. While at Texas A&M Commerce, Veronica served Campus Rec as the GA for Aquatics and Risk Management and then as the graduate intern for Fraternity and Sorority Life. In March of 2019, Veronica moved to South Bend, Indiana and started as the Aquatics Program and Risk Management Coordinator with the University of Notre Dame Rec Sports. She returned to Commerce to graduate with her Master's of Science in Higher Education Administration in May of 2019. With Rec Sports at the University of Notre Dame, Veronica oversees the Aquatics Program and Facility, supervises a lifeguard staff of 55, and manages and mitigates departmental risk. She will start her EDD this fall in Higher Education Administration and Organizational Leadership while balancing wedding planning, balancing a work-from-home culture, and taking care of her two cats. Good morning, Veronica. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, Bethany. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. We're so excited to have you. So um, Lion Talks is a casual conversation podcast where we are teaching students about going off into the professional world of work and how they can make the most of their career and how they can take those first steps. So we're really excited to hear about your path as a graduate student at A&M Commerce and where it has led you. So I start every Lion Talks podcast with the same question and I will do the same today. So what was your favorite part about your time at A&M Commerce? Being at A&M Commerce was definitely an experience unlike any other. I think my favorite part of being at A&M Commerce was working with the student body. At all of the other institutions that I've been a part of, I think working with students is the most valuable and rewarding experience. And what the Commerce students brought to the table, I think really prepared me to be a professional while I was a graduate assistant. That's great. Oh yeah, we are so proud of the um, our student body and the diversity that we have here is something that you know I didn't expect when I first started here. I came from a large SEC school, and it's always something I'm so proud of that we have out here in small town USA. And you know, you meet people from every walk of life, whether they're faculty, staff, or student. And I definitely agree. So when we're talking with students. A lot of times, particularly when they come into my office, they can be unsure about their path. And uh, I know that that's something that you've experienced. So talk to me about a time when you were unsure about your path and how you quote unquote figured it out. (laughs) Quote unquote figured it out is a great way to put it. There were Uh, air quotes. (laughs) Lots of air quotes. We just can't see them right now. Right. I would have to say that my whole undergraduate experience was me not knowing what my path was. I applied to all of the institutions I anticipated attending after my senior year of high school as a physics and engineering major and was directly admitted to physics and engineering programs at Purdue and Loyola. 
And then I dropped AP physics my second semester of my senior year because I decided I don't really think this is what I want to do forever. So the minute I stepped on campus, when I committed to Loyola, I changed my major to biology, thinking that I was going to go pre-med and then pursue a doctor of medicine after my undergrad. And about a semester in, again, had the same conversation with myself of, I don't really think I want to do this, and actually dropped my biology 101 class. I withdrew from my biology 101 class, which for me was kind of a panic moment because I felt I was very, very, very dedicated to making sure I graduated on time. And I felt like I had to graduate on time and that I had to know what I was doing. And I just kind of felt up in the air and I took a chance and I was like, you know, I really like sports. I really like the business of how things work. I'm just going to take a chance and apply to the business school, see if they'll take my internal transfer and go from there. And I started my sophomore year as a double major sport management and marketing student, which luckily for me worked out extremely well. I loved the content. I was ready. I was convinced that I was going to become like the marketing director for the Chicago Blackhawks because I was a diehard Blackhawks fan. And I felt like I had everything under control. And then again, another curveball was thrown my way. And my supervisor in campus recreation at Loyola saw that I really liked working with students through my leadership positions in a sorority, through teaching swim lessons, being a lifeguard, being a group fitness instructor. She saw that I had a lot of passion for student development, even though I didn't see it in myself. And she reached out and said, you know, like you should really think about going into campus recreation as a career. And I said, who goes to college to be in campus recreation. I, I don't I don't understand. So when I thought I was humoring her and attending a conference, I actually fell in love with the profession. And this was April of my junior year of college. So by this time, I've had four different ideas in the past three and a half years of what I wanted to do for a career. And then after that, it was a whirlwind of applying for graduate assistantships, figuring out where I was going to go. I thought, you know, maybe I'll stay here at Loyola. Maybe I'll go to Indiana University, stay close to home. And I ended up in Commerce, Texas, which was the best decision I could have ever made. But I would have to say those four years, I had no idea what I was doing, but it all worked out. And that's what I always tell my students is it's okay to not know what you're doing. It'll work out. Yeah. So kind of jumped right into my next question, which is what advice would you give a student that maybe is in a similar situation who is potentially struggling to determine their path or up in the air about taking that leap and changing from a pre-med to a sports recreation or, or vice versa? What advice would you give that person during their struggle? I think there's a lot of pressure to be on a certain path and to compare yourself to others and what their path looks like. And when you feel like you're continuously surrounded by folks who know what they're doing, which secret, they don't. <laughs> it's a, it makes you feel that you might be falling behind. And it, everybody has their own path. Everybody has their own timeline. 
it just so happens for me that a lot of my credits from pre-med transferred into the business program and I still got to graduate on time. But I have friends and sorority sisters who their senior year realized they hated their major and went back into the nursing program and one of them just graduated. And I think that there's a lot of value in recognizing that maybe we didn't make the best decision in what we wanted to do, but also we grow and we learn so much about our about ourselves when we're 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, still at 25, trying to figure it out. But I would also have to say, talking it out with folks and really using your campus resources. I always tell the story that my roommate and I, our freshman year of college, were both struggling academically with our career choices and what we wanted to do, but we didn't talk to each other about it. So we both ended up withdrawing from classes. We both ended up struggling with our grades. We both ended up changing our majors, but we didn't talk to each other about it because each of us thought that the other person had it figured out. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I would say use your campus resources. Don't compare yourself to other people. Your timeline is going to look different. But at the end, you would much rather be in a position of where you're happy, where you're headed than coulda, shoulda, woulda. So I would definitely say that that's my biggest piece of advice. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I think it's so important. I think particularly in this age of social media, we find ourselves comparing ourselves to what everybody else puts out there on Instagram, that they've got it all figured out. But in reality, we know that everybody at one point or another is struggling with the decision about their future. And I think we get stuck in this path of like, okay, well, this is my decision. This is the path I have to go on. This is what I'm going with. It may not be that I may not like it, but this is, this is the direction. I'm going to be an accountant because my mom and my dad and my grandmother were all an accountant. And that's what my family does is become an accountant. Um, and, so, but you may not, you may hate taxes. I don't know. Uh, clearly not an accountant, but, um, I think it's so important to look into that and figure out like, what is it that you're passionate about, but also where do your strengths lie in that? Um, and utilizing those resources is so important. So thanks for that. Um, that plug there, you know, your campus career center is always available to you. Okay. I'll get off my shameless plug course there, but so tell me about, you know, we have a lot of students. We have a significant portion of our undergraduate students that go on to graduate school and tell me about, you talked a little bit about your graduate school search process and how you landed an assistantship, but talk a little bit about that and maybe talk about anything you might have done a little differently. So I made the decision that I was going to go to graduate school May, June, July before my senior year of college. So I had about, right. And I had about three months to take the GRE because I didn't know where I wanted to go because I hadn't done any research yet. So that's my first point is I would have done way more research into what programs require for admission. GPAs, GREs, things like that. And there's plenty of programs out there that don't require GREs, and I had no idea. <laughs> so I took my GRE my senior year of college on Labor Day. And it, it was it was very overwhelming experience. It was, I haven't taken a standardized test since I was in high school. What if I don't do well? What if I don't get into the program I want to? 
And at that point I hadn't even looked at programs yet. I just <laughs> I had to take the GRE and that it was going to be the, but you're already out. worried about five steps down the road. I, it's relatable. <laughs> 110%. But, and then once I started looking into programs, I did not listen to my supervisor, which another piece is that if you have a mentor or a professional staff member on campus who is helping you through the graduate admissions process, listen to them because I wasted a lot of time. In my career field, most of the time what happens is that you're offered a graduate assistantship and then you apply to the school. Now, I did not listen to that and I went and just started applying to schools all over the country, not knowing that some graduate assistantships required a certain major. So for me, I was very, very dedicated to making sure I got my master's in higher education and higher education administration, because that's where my passion lies, is working with students and making the collegiate experience the best it can be. And I started applying to programs that once I started getting around to it required a master's in sport administration or health human performance and kinesiology. And trust me, no, like we all talked about the fact that I dropped out of first semester bio. So health, human performance, kinesiology was not on the table for me. And I wanted to try something a little bit different than sport administration. So as I started navigating, I started realizing, oh, this isn't what I should have done. Maybe I should have listened to my supervisor. And ironically, the first time that I took my supervisor's advice and started applying before applying to college or to institutions, I got a response from my former supervisor at Commerce saying, we'd like to do an interview. And uh, this was probably January of my senior year of college. So January of 2017. And I immediately freaked out because I said, if I get offered this position, am I going to move to Texas? (laughs) I've grown up in the Midwest my whole life, like right outside of Chicago and then spent the past four years in Chicago and my family's in Northern Indiana. What am I going to do? But I took a chance because my supervisor told me, you know, I know some folks who work down there and they really love their jobs and they really love students. And I think that their values align with your personal values. And because I didn't listen to her before, I'm like, I should probably continue listening to her. I am sure that she appreciates you listening to her. You know, you know, working in student affairs, we know sometimes it takes a couple times for the message to get across, but I'm sure she was very proud that you listened. <laughs> Finally. I'm sure she was just sitting there being like, when is she going to figure it out? That like, I know what I'm talking about. And then I applied, I received an interview, I did a phone interview, and then after the phone interview, I received a Skype interview, and then was offered the position on the Skype interview. I was also interviewing at a couple of other institutions, and the reason the GA ship was so important for me is first, is I was really looking for the financial security of not having to be in student loan debt for my master's but also because it's a really great stepping stone in student affairs and working with with college students. So that was my priority. And so I was interviewing with a couple of other schools and Texas A&M Commerce offered first. And I, I think I had a small panic moment because I was sitting, okay, well, what am I gonna miss out on if I accept this? But also the security of having a position And having my master's secured over the next two years felt really invaluable at that point. 
But at the end of the day, I made a decision based on my gut reaction, where for some reason, I felt like I was supposed to come down to commerce. I was supposed to pick up and leave the metropolitan area of 6 million people and come spend some time in Commerce, Texas. And at the end of the day, it was again, and I think I've said it a couple times, one of the best decisions I've ever made. So it was a very interesting process of determining the application process and figuring out grad school and figuring out what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. But at the end, it all again worked out. Yeah, that's great. I love hearing that story. And I, I chuckle because I grew up in Dallas and went to college in South Carolina and then moved back to East Texas, which you know, told me, you know, 15 years ago that I was going to be living in tiny town USA and love everything about it. I would have laughed at you because sometimes I say I'm too city for my own good. <laughs> but slowly but surely, I am becoming quite the East Texan. And, and I think it, that's a, a testament to here at AM Commerce. I think it's a great family environment. And I think what we are able to do is provide for our students. And it's a smaller campus, but it, it, you still meet so many people and have such great experiences and people coming from, you know, major metropolitan areas and get to meet people from all over the country. And so, I'm so we're so glad that you came to join us here and have such an impact on our students. So we talked about your search for graduate school, what advice, like what timeline advice would you give someone considering graduate school? You said you waited till your senior year. If you could do it, quote unquote, right, how would you have done it? Besides obviously listening to your supervisor on the first go around. (laughs) I would have saved myself so much time. I would (laughs) have saved myself so much time. I would have saved myself so many application fees. I, oh my goodness, listen to the folks that are walking you through this process. But I think had I done it differently, I would have done my research ahead of time and made sure that, you know, really look into programs and the values and missions of the institutions that I was applying for. I would have started a little bit earlier. The moment I knew that grad school was going to be my next step and that's what I wanted to do, I would have hit the ground running. I think I waited a little bit too long, and I would have rather had a little bit more time, a little more time to think, a little more time to research, a little more time to take some pressure off of my shoulders, a little more time to connect with more folks in the university, too, to be able to navigate that process as well. I didn't utilize my Career Resource Center when I was at Loyola. And I, again, would have gone back and done that in a heartbeat, and the moment I knew I would have gone straight to them and said, okay, what is this going to look like? I would have reached out to more folks in my network as well, just looking for that support. Because I think sometimes when we're making big life decisions, we feel that we need to take care of it ourselves, especially when you're about to graduate college and make those decisions, either going into a graduate degree or professional life, you feel that you have all of this responsibility and you need to take care of it yourself. I would have reached out to a lot more people for support because when you go through these changes, you don't need to be going through them by yourself. So I would have started earlier. I would have researched a lot more and I would have looked out into my network and into my network's network to see if I could find that support that I had relied on myself for, but didn't know I had outside of like me. Yeah. I think, and I think too, when you're a college student, I think oftentimes you feel like you've been given this sort of independence and you want to be independent and you want to make decisions on your own. And it can be a little scary to ask for help 
because you might not necessarily know what you're doing, but I hope that our listeners know that student affairs professionals like Veronica, like me, like our staff, that's what we live for. We live to be able to help you figure it out. And we're not going to, I am not one who, when you come in my office, I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. I'm going to help you figure it out and be your support system along the way. But I think, because I think that's so important to sort of figure it out yourself, but also to ask for help when you need it. And that's, that can be really challenging to do. So thank you for that advice for our students. I think it's so important as we navigate this um, transition to grad school. And I think we're going to see a lot more people going back to grad school. You know, we're in the middle of a recession. I think we're going to see a lot more people going into grad school, thinking about going to grad school. And so I hope that this, some of this advice is helpful for them. And you touched on something really important too. Looking at those graduate assistantships and getting that financial benefit is huge. I know that's, uh, you know, one of the underlying reasons I took this job. The main reason I took this job is because I used to be a campus recruiter and I love it and I want to help students grow and go and have great careers. But another reason is that I was able to get my master's while working full-time. And I think that's a benefit that you need to look at whether you're going into a full-time position or going to graduate school because student loan debt is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> not fun. Yes, it adds up quick too. So that's some really great, great advice. So how has your transition been from student to GA and now into professional life been so far? Uh, do you have any advice on that transition for our listeners? I always tell the story that my first day in the office, nine to five, between going from graduate assistant to professional, I got home at seven and fell asleep at 730. <laughs> it's exhausting, right? <laughs> it is. Um, I think that I'm extremely lucky that the folks at Commerce and the amount of responsibility I was given as a graduate assistant really prepared me for the actual position itself. I don't think anything could have prepared me about like the emotional and physical drain between going from student to professional. I was used to working, you know, sometimes late nights, sometimes early mornings, working with students, and then transitioning all of that into nine to five days to becoming the person also who makes the decisions when it comes to your respective program. Yes, I have really great supervisors who are super supportive of me and they help me make decisions. But at the end of the day, they ask me, what do you think? Whereas as a grad, those questions were still asked. But when you're a graduate assistant, sometimes those decisions don't fall on your shoulders. So the amount of responsibility that's put on you as a professional versus a student, I think is also something I was not prepared for. And being confident in myself in I've, I've gone to school and I have this, uh, this academic background and some of this tactile, real life applicable skills background and I can do this and I can trust myself to make the best decisions as possible. But moving through undergrad to grad to professional, I think it all wraps around to of if you don't know what you're doing, it's okay. Reach out for help. You've usually got folks in your corner who want to see you succeed just as badly as you want to succeed and uh, making sure that you're taking care of yourself. When I transitioned from undergraduate to graduate school, I moved 15 hours away from home and had to find a home in Commerce, Texas. And luckily for me, that was my graduate cohort because all of us had moved from just about every corner of the country. And I was really lucky to find that, but finding your home in these transition times, I think is really, really important. 
And then luckily for me, when I went from grad school back to Indiana, I was actually returning closer to home to my family. So where I was leaving my commerce family, I was coming home to my mom and my 10-year-old sister and my grandparents. So really looking for those support networks during these trying times, because again, like you're not alone. It's not just you against the world. And a lot of people have done it and probably have a lot of things like we've talked about before that they, we would have done differently had we have we been given the opportunity to do so. But yeah, that it was it was a wild ride. And I slept really hard those like first couple of weeks of transition because you know people will tell you you're tired and you'll be like, no, I'll be fine. I'll just drink coffee in the morning. I'll, you know, I'll make sure I eat a good breakfast and then like day three rolls around and you're like, they were so right. <laughs> I've got some underlying themes here that uh, people with the, and there's some underlying themes here that we should probably listen to the people who are willing to give us advice. And I say that because I have been there and people give me advice and I'm like, Ugh, whatever. But I look back, I'm like, man, maybe I should have listened to that person when I was 22 telling me I could have, you know, I could have made better decisions as an RA. I, I was an RA for my sorority. And I think my old supervisor would tell you that I was not the best RA, but I did learn so much. Residential living and learning is not my lifelong calling, but working with students and helping them grow a passion really is. And so, but I think, you, you know, those are things that you live and learn through. And I think they're so important. And I think people underestimate just the emotional toll that a new professional role could possibly take on you because there's high level of expectation. And I think everybody has some sort of underlying imposter syndrome that shows up at times when you least expect it. I have done more presentations than I can ever count, but every single time, even if it's for 90 seconds before, I'm like, why did they ask me to do this? What, do I really know what I'm doing? Obviously I know how to do all of the things that I present on, but I think we all have those moments of, Hmm, maybe am I, can I do this? And so that's why, again, having that support network is so important for the people to validate you and say, you've got this, you know, this, like you're, you're awesome. You can, you can handle this. They wouldn't have hired you if you couldn't. So that's really, yeah. Important. And I think too, it's always important to note that the rest of life doesn't stop during these periods of transition. So you're adding something new into the mix while also trying to manage the rest of your life. For me, I accepted my professional position with Notre Dame three months before my graduate program was over. So I was still balancing getting my master's while now with a full-time job and now in a long distance relationship. Now I'm closer to family, so they wanna hang out with me more while trying to make friends, while trying to establish meaningful connections in the office. And it's sometimes really overwhelming that life doesn't kind of give you a breather when you're trying out new things and when new things are happening and just remembering that like you might have to remind yourself to take a breather and that something i read this really great quote and i saw it on instagram but it was somebody who said if like i drop the ball and some balls are rubber and some are glass and it's important to distinguish which is which and I felt like in my first couple of weeks of being a professional, I was dropping the ball all over my life, whether it was in my personal relationships, whether it was at work, whether it was, whether it was academically. And I thought everything was the biggest deal. 
everything was end all be all. I'm not going to graduate on time. My boyfriend's going to break up with me. My mom's going to be mad at me because I didn't come visit her this weekend. And it was a lot of failing to realize that there are little things and it'll be okay. And there will be some big things and just learning how to put the pieces back together and keep moving forward. But knowing that you're going to manage a lot and now you're adding something else into the mix and just knowing that like you need to provide yourself the same amount of grace that you would provide a friend who's going through the same thing. Cause I think sometimes we are really, really hard on ourselves when if our friends came to us with the same problems, we would be more patient and understanding with them than we are with ourselves at the same time. Yes. I think we can be our own worst enemy for sure. Um, and it's good to have that support network there to tell you that it's okay. And your mom to say, it's fine if you don't come eat dinner or, you know, your boyfriend to say, I understand, hun. <laughs> um, uh, to the boyfriends out there, you could nine times out of 10, you could probably just say, I hear you. I support you. And then this, your significant other will be just fine. <laughs> um, breathe. Yes, I know. My husband tells me often, it's okay. Take a deep breath. I'm like, don't tell me to take a deep breath. <laughs> yeah, I know. So my next question is just from a personal perspective, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? The best piece of advice that I've ever received. I think as somebody who tends to be a little bit more on the anxious side and kind of like, as I spoke about before of everything's kind of a big deal. I believe my supervisor from commerce told me, you have to ask yourself, is this going to matter 10 minutes from now? Is this going to matter 24 hours from now? Is this going to matter a week from now? Because I think we all kind of fall into the habits, especially when we're under a lot of stress to think everything is a huge deal and everything, like I said before, is the end all be all and that it's going to have a dramatic effect on everything that we do for the rest of time. But being able to reflect and take a moment and really think, okay, maybe I didn't do this the right way, or maybe I'm a little bit too much in my own head. Is this going to matter two hours from now? Is this going to matter a day from now? Is this going to matter a week from now? And it really allows me to put a little bit more perspective on my priorities and what's taking place and allows me to also like better organize my thoughts and my feelings, which has helped a lot personally and also professionally, because we all know once we get those to-do lists at work, it feels like everything has to get done tomorrow. But that has also helped me at the end of the day in preserving work-life balance of, can this wait till tomorrow? Does this have to be done right now? Will its integrity be sacrificed if it's not done in the next 10 minutes? It allows me to kind of make those decisions and be at peace with those decisions as well. That's really great advice. You know, a lot of times people say, okay, take a deep breath, count to 10, you know, you'll, you'll adjust to whatever you're worried about. But I think that that's more tangible advice to, okay, think about, you know, I've got to process the stack of paperwork, for example. I say that because I have a stack of paperwork I need to process via email. It's not actual paper. And I'm thinking, okay, is it going to matter if it's not done in the next 10 minutes? No. 
Okay, 24 hours. Okay, a week. Uh, a week is probably too long, but it can wait 24 hours. I don't need to, you know, be on my couch watching, you know, Netflix with my family. We're, you know, approving documents. <laughs> it can wait till tomorrow. Right. And I fall into the same habits too of I get an email ding at eight o'clock at night, right? And I open it and it, my first instinct is I need to take care of this right now. I need to do this right now. But then I sit back and I say, can I remark it as unread and take care of it in the morning? Which has really also helped me preserve like the cooperation of like working from home and, you know, balancing my personal life with my professional life. And as you can see, my cat behind me is <laughs> climbing up the blinds. So wondering what that was. Fine. We're fine. fine. Work from home life. There's been many times throughout this pandemic that my four-year-old has made an appearance at very inopportune times. So I can relate. But now I think that's so important. You know, we, we talk about work-life balance as a, a, as a thing, but we are so easily in demand. We have our email on our phone. I, I would, forever was wearing a smartwatch, but I found myself looking at every email notification. So I finally had to turn the email notifications off on my phone because I felt like I wasn't engaged in my life on a Saturday. Like, I don't, I don't need to reply to an email on a Saturday. And I think it's so important to establish those boundaries and establish those boundaries early. As a new professional, you want to be successful and you want to make an impact, but you also need to preserve yourself because if you don't, it can lead so quickly to burnout. And that's then, you know, then there's no new professionals. And I think it's so, so, something that's so important to make sure that we reiterate for everyone that's on our team. So glad that you're aware of that. But I, I also have a habit of checking my email on my phone and it's, I need, and I to, need to be that better, habit. but that's half the battle. Like recognizing that I need to be better and be more accountable for myself and my own well-being, half the battle. If I yeah. can continue getting better and continue working on it, that's all I'm asking for. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that. So as a former recruiter and a career development professional, I simply can't help myself. And when I do these things, I like to ask typical interview questions. So I'm going to just do a few of those. So we'll hop into those. So are you ready? I am ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. So what would you say is your greatest professional achievement? My greatest professional achievement. I would have to say my greatest professional achievement is actually the connections I make with the students as a student affairs professional. And what comes to mind is actually I left Texas A&M Commerce when I was offered a position up at Notre Dame. So I left three months prior to the rest of my cohort. But when I returned for graduation and even still today, I have students who call me and ask me for advice and reach out and just to say hello. And I think that even though it's not a medal or a trophy or a certificate, I think that these relationships are what makes my doing my job most worthwhile and one of the best mile markers of achievement that I think a student professional or a student affairs professional can do. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's not something you put on a resume or on your LinkedIn profile, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's part of, you've designed this life you love and that is part of the, 
showing your success and knowing you know, it helps it's one of those things that that's helps you sleep at night too is knowing okay every day i have the chance to make an impact on someone's life and so that's a great answer so on the sort of the same path what would you say is your greatest strength i would have to say my greatest strength kind of goes off of that previous answer but would be my relationship building I think all of us are so unique and so different. And I think I have a very empathetic nature to the point where I can interact with folks where they're at and where they want to be. And as a student affairs professional, my number one priority is the students and being able to cultivate those relationships and being able to be that support system and develop trust. And I can't do my job without being that person for them. So I would definitely say my relationship building capabilities, which continue to grow every single time I have an interaction with someone new or encounter um, something I've never done before. It's, it's continuously evolving, but I think that's what I like most about it. Yeah, that's great. I think it's so important you mentioned meeting people where they are. I think that's another thing that we have to do because sometimes, especially if you have to have a hard conversation with someone, the first time you need to have that conversation, they may not be ready or able to hear it. And so being able to adjust your approach is so key. And I think that is so important in what, what you do and just in general. So, you know, this next one's coming. So you talked about your biggest strength. What is your biggest weakness? Or as I like to say, growth opportunity. <laughs> oh my goodness. There are so many. What? You, you're not perfect. Also for our <laughs> listeners, the answer to this question is never, I don't have any weaknesses. <laughs> Everybody has a weakness. <laughs> yes. And as somebody who is like the hiring manager for my program, I always advocate for students to be a hundred percent honest. So that's why I'm going to be a hundred percent honest with all of y'all. I love it. But I would have to say my greatest weakness is I'm trying to narrow it down. <laughs> I would have to say my greatest weakness is probably my continuing growth towards work-life cooperation. I would have to say that it's very easy as a professional to let personal items kind of flow into your professional life and as in also vice versa and being able to figure out how those interweave together rather than sit on two, two opposite ends of the spectrum is something I still struggle with and something that I'm still working toward doing better. A couple of things that I do to help with that is establishing boundaries. And again, still not easy and still not perfect at it, but something I'm still working towards. And also effective communication, whether it's with those in my personal life. So those I, my partner, my, my family, or on the professional side, my supervisors, my coworkers, my peers, the students I supervise, just being really open and honest and letting them know that while I'm still working on it, I still want them to help me hold myself accountable. And then while I continue to grow in this way. Yeah, that's great. Um, you need to have those accountability partners on you know, all levels, whether it's professional or personal or mental or spiritual or physical growth, we, we need those. I need 
accountability partner to get me working out a little more lately. Quarantine has uh, not been the best for that. I have spurts and then I'm like, oh God, no, I'm not. But anywho, so my next one is a little off the, off the beaten path. So my next question is, if you won a million dollars tomorrow, what would you do with it? Or if you decided not to work anymore, what would you do? If I decided not to work anymore, which would be really hard, but if I wasn't allowed to work anymore and I had won the lottery, I would probably try to relocate somewhere along the beach. I would help my partner and then myself pay off student loans. And then I would also establish some kind of financial security for my little sister who's 10 to make sure she could go to college and pursue whatever kind of education she wanted. But off of the beach thing, I love the water. I'm an aquatics person. Um, <laughs> and my fiance also grew up on the beach. So between the two of us, I definitely would say the beach would be our happy place. So that's what we would try to do. I love that. Um, it's a really great answer. Uh, I, it's funny because I think it's a very responsible answer. So I'm going to add a little one to it. What is one frivolous purchase you would make? I mean, that's delightful. I'm proud of you. Like that's the answer I expect, but what is a frivolous thing that you would purchase if money was no object? Oh my gosh. I would get a really fancy mattress topper Oh, and then a boat again, aquatics. And then if given the opportunity, once it's safe to do so again, it being able to spend a month just traveling and being able to experience the world and hopefully still something that I can continue to save for moving forward. But that would definitely be a priority because I think that there's a lot of world to see and not a whole heck of a lot of time to see it. So making sure that if I wasn't allowed to work anymore and I somehow came into a large amount of money through luck, I would definitely take that time and do that. That's great. That's a great answer. And so this is our last question. And I think this is an important one. If our listeners leave this podcast recording and remember just one thing about your lion talk, what would that, what would you want it to be? I would say my number one thing that I would want y'all to come away with is be confident in yourself and be confident in the direction in which you're going. It might not look the same as somebody else. It might not look the same as your supervisor, your parents, your best friend, your siblings, but knowing that you're going in the right direction, maybe slightly on a different timeline, maybe jumping off the path and getting back on the path, whatever that looks like for you is right for you. And I think that everybody has their own unique path for a reason. So even though you might not know it at the time, just know that you'll end up where you're supposed to be. That's great. Well, we appreciate you so much taking the time to speak with us. It was great, quote unquote, seeing you and chatting with you and delivering your message to our students and our alumni who are working on designing a life they love. So thank you so much. No problem. I was so happy to be here. I'd love to come back again. So yes. just let me know. Yes, absolutely. We'll do it one year later, retrospective. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs>
You have been listening to Lion Talks, a production of the staff of Career Development at Texas A&M Commerce. If you are in need of job search assistance or are an employer looking to hire a lion, please email us at hirealion at tamuc.edu. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so you can join us in two weeks for the next episode of Lion Talks. To stay updated about our programs, services, job opportunities, and upcoming hiring events, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TAMUC Hire a Lion.